Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. I have a guy who is a seed sower. Now, when you when you think about that, uh, I can remember sowing grass seed in my front yard. I had a little <laughs> bag and I turned it. That is not that kind of seed sower. This guy helps coach and mentor leaders and business people and sows the seeds. We're going to find out what kind of seeds he sows into their lives. But it is an honor to welcome Kirk McCarley, to the Intentional Encourager podcast. Kirk, how are you today? I am well, Brian, and the pleasure is all mine. And I believe the Lord has a sense of humor. He's planted me in Northwest Florida where there's sandy soil and getting seeds to prosper and grow. But we'll, we'll not talk about that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to get seeds to grow on the beach. That That is, uh, you know, if you can, Kirk, if you can find a way to get seeds to grow on the beach, my man, I think you're going to have something. Other than sea oats, I think that's about it. <laughs> hey, Kirk, let's get started here. And I, I like to, as you know, I, I like to open every podcast. I like to get kind of a state of affairs around folks, how they have handled the last, 18 months or so. Everybody has been shaped, affected by the COVID-19 pandemic in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And I want to find out what the last 18 months or so has been like for you personally, professionally, even spiritually. Uh, what Take me through the last 18 months of your life and how you and your family have dealt with things around this COVID-19 pandemic. Let me start off by saying, first of all, that the past 18 or so months have been blessed for us. The Lord has put obstacles in front of us, challenges for everybody worldwide, but there have also been opportunities that have come with that. And from a business standpoint, both my wife and I are individual business owners. I have found in my coaching business during this period that people are seeking answers. They're looking for direction. They're looking for ideas as far as what the next steps are going to be. And I'll speak for my wife. I'll give her a plug. She is a kitchen and bath designer. People have internalized and looked at their home decor, how they want to remodel, redesign. And we have both had a tremendous year from a business standpoint. Now, I also have a sideline with ESPN and during the early part of that period, sports took a backseat to the virus. Yeah. Along about the end of last year, calendar year, sports, football, basketball came back and I work in the production end of it. We were not going to live sporting events, but what we turned to is remote productions. Yep. So it was a technology that was new. 
we had to learn to think out of the box just a little bit. And at first it was kind of like, oh my gosh, how am I going to learn this? Well, it was an elephant, which I took a bite of at a time and eventually overcame that obstacle. And I've had more events in this past year than I have at any point in my career of doing that on the side. Well, so Kirk, let me jump in there. Uh, yeah. Because I'm a sports fan, um, love sports. Um, a, a guest that's been on the Intentional Encourager podcast several times is a friend of mine, Jason Romano. He he worked at ESPN and he was in Bristol doing things up there. And it, it really is. It is so, you know, I have a I have a setup here where I do the Intentional Encourager podcast and I have my work stuff on that side. And you really could, with a virtual background, a good microphone, and a headset, guys were broadcasting games from from their office from wherever they could be stationary. You get them a camera, a ring light, a microphone, and and there was really no difference, and correct me if I'm wrong, there was really no difference from a production standpoint because I would see guys doing games and they, they would have their office backdrop behind them as they were doing the game. Or, you know, the guy, one thing that comes to mind is the guys at ESPN that were broadcasting the Korean Baseball League. And all three and all three broadcasters, uh, whether it was Dan Shulman doing the play-by-play, maybe uh, Eduardo Perez was in on the broadcast, maybe Tim Kirkshin was in on that broadcast. They were in three separate places, but when the camera shot went to the live action, you really couldn't tell that all three of those guys were in three separate locations, literally across the country. Well, what has really helped too? as we continue to do some remote broadcast is the crowds have returned. And so you have that feeling, that excitement that comes with people being gathered at the sporting event. And we had some tweets for a game that we were broadcasting this past weekend that came in and said, basically, it sounds like you guys are there. And that's exactly what we want to duplicate. Don't get me wrong, there is nothing like being at a live sporting event, and I have the fortune of flying out after our broadcast to go work one tomorrow. First time to have flown for ESPN since the end of 2019. But the technology is a wonderful thing as long as you've got a stable internet system and you can carry that off rather seamlessly. Let's talk about that for a minute. I want to park there for a few minutes, and I'm glad you've taken the conversation there. Because um, here's what here's what I would say around that. There's nothing like being at the event. And I heard guys that were used to that, the, the color men, the play-by-play guys, that would say, man, you know, we would go to an event a couple days beforehand. We would be on site, kind of get a feel, talk to the coaches, things like that. In 2020, Kirk, all that was done remotely. And basically... Um, if, if and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just kind of thinking the timeline of it is, let's say you had a 3.30 kick and you were the color person doing a game on Saturday. You might get set up in your, in your home remote broadcast studio at maybe 2 or 2.15, and when you got done, 
you know, probably from the waist up, from the waist up, guy was in a suit and tie and, and, and things like that. And probably had joggers on from the waist down and slippers calling a ball game in, in his, you know, in, in his office or something like that. And then when the game's done, you don't have to rush to the airport. You don't have to do anything like that. You just basically go upstairs and go, okay, I'm home. You know what? So for you on the production side, I, I'm really fascinated here on, about the production side. You're you're doing the promo, you're doing the same thing, but you're doing it from your home or or a remote studio and things like that. For you, what was something that was hard to replace about that for you? Because I've got to think there is a, a when you're in that mode for, let's say you're doing a football game for three, three and a half hours, longer than that, you guys get to the site early, get everything set up, you're ready to go, then you do post game. There, there's an adrenaline and a, I'm locked in for probably five, six hours. But now it's a little bit different. You're still locked in, but you're really locked in mostly when that game is going on. How different was it for you from the production side? We saw the on-air side. We saw what was on air. Take me through what it was like on the back end of things that people would not have seen. I've got an easy answer to that question, and I experienced it uh, just recently. I do statistical analysis during the game, and I provide data to the talent so that they can sound intelligent when they say that's a 38-yard punt with a five-yard return. Camera angle of what we get on Zoom, and that's how we're watching a broadcast, is so very, very critical, particularly on long plays. So a pass play that covers 30 yards, let's say, for instance, sometimes the camera angle doesn't give me that, so it's hard to spot where that completion uh, went to and where that receiver was tackled or ran or, or, or ran out of bounds. So that becomes the biggest challenge. The other thing, uh, again, related to that, people that are familiar with the Zoom technology, depending on the stability of your internet connection, it will freeze on you periodically. Yeah. And so I'll see the quarterback stepping back in the pocket, cocked to throw that pass, and then he freezes, and it's like, come on, come on, come on. What's, yeah. ha- what's going to happen next? Hey, imagine being in West Virginia where internet is not, it is kind of <laughs> shaky to begin with. But no, I, I'll share something with you. I, I, I was doing live radio last year from where I'm doing my podcast with you now. And the internet froze. I was in the middle of an interview. I had a, a, a Comrex. If you know anything about radio, I had a Comrex and a headset. And I was, I, I was dialed into the studio and a producer back at the studio and I had a guest and I was talking to him and the internet just dropped for, for unexplicably for no reason. It just went out. And so I had to go running into the house where I was at. Cause my, my office and studio are away from that, are away from my home to run in, reset the internet. You know, what was that? How was we lost 20 minutes of airtime. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, it's, it's critical from that standpoint, I'm glad you went there. So let's let's go a little deeper with this conversation real quick. Going forward from the pandemic, what do you think are, will be some of the changes that will be permanent changes 
to the way we view sporting events from from that standpoint because I've already seen it where you you literally can if you're doing a produced show like an NFL Live or a college game day or something like that and of course the guys with, with ESPN's college game day they're back on site but last year Lee Corso did college game day from his sunroom in Orlando he he stayed there and did college game day what will what will those shows be like in the future? Will there be anything that sticks from what you guys did in the pandemic? Number one, Brian, we know that we can do that now. Um, necessities, the, the 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 mother of invention, and so we have seen that these remote broadcasts can take place on a mass scale. We've been doing some of that before, but not to this degree. Having said that, most of the ESPN broadcasts so far for college football this year have returned to live broadcast, but we're going to hold in reserve that possibility should the pandemic get serious enough again that we need to consider a return to how we had been doing it. But I think going forward, for, if nothing else, budgetary purposes, yeah, it's going to be here to stay where you don't have to fly uh, a television crew of 80 to 100 people to Seattle, Washington from all over the country. That's not picking on Seattle, but that's on the far, far northwest part of the country. So there's going to be some economies that play into that as well, which is going to give greater opportunity to view more sporting events. Uh, we are going to do ESPN 22 HBCU games this upcoming year yeah. to ex- expose historically black colleges and universities, which is a great thing. Technology is going to provide us that opportunity to uh, get those players exposed to the viewers that are out there. Kirk, one, one and I, forgive me for, for, staying on this vein of conversation man it's just so good it, it, it intrigues me could you see co-partnerships with in other words you mentioned seattle so let's say you guys wanted to do a washington oregon state game mm-hmm. and you were, you were contractually obligated to do a washington oregon state game to your point about taking 80 to 100 people to that game site let's say it's a prime time saturday night game could you could you see a scenario where there is a local production crew in Seattle that is in some way contracted to do all the technical stuff at the site? You do your spotting from Northwest Florida. Your color person, wherever he's at, does the color part from let's say let's say I'm the color man, which I would love to do color for a DSPN game. That'd be that'd be awesome. But let's say I'm here in Barbersville, West Virginia, and I'm doing color, and the play-by-play guy is in Columbus, Ohio, and we're doing a Washington-Oregon State game. Is that where we're headed to is is continuing to to kind of farm those economies out, if you will? Um, Because as you were describing that, that's kind of the scenario that ran through my mind. Am I on target or am I – tell me where I'm, I'm missing it in that particular scenario. Uh, You are right in the center of that target, uh, Brian. The first remote game I did was in Salt Lake City uh, last December. From here in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida, 
with my play-by-play -play person in Cleveland, with a color analyst in San Diego, with the sideline reporter actually being in Salt Lake City with a number of camera people. Production person perhaps being there, may have been in Bristol, may have been in Charlotte, but uh, yeah. the fact of the matter, we are all over the place and it is blending pretty good right now and it's only gonna get better. Yeah, I love that. Let's step aside, take a quick break. You know, Kirk and I could could park here. I, I could do a whole <laughs> podcast just talking about the different things here. But when we come back, I, I want to get into what Kirk is doing with the seed sower, his coaching ministry and business that he's doing. I want to get deeper into that. And then later on, I want to tell his story. What a what a remarkable story he has. My guest, Kirk McCarley, joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Kirk, let's talk about the seed sower. Um, give me the genesis behind what made you want to start coaching and mentoring and 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 I love I was looking before we started recording at your website, the seedsowercoach.com. I, I love that. When when you get on that website, there, there's a picture there and a scripture. And so I, I see that as a blending of business and ministry. Take me through the genesis of that and how that that idea came to your mind and, and what prompted you to start it. I was a, a human resource professional for most of my career, had this sideline gig with ESPN. Uh, and, and also later in life, I started teaching uh, spinning classes, group exercise classes. I'm 64 years old now. Uh, this was about seven or eight years ago to where I took an assessment of where I was in life and what do I want to do next? Uh, my parents were inspirational. They worked into their 80s, and so it's in the DNA. I don't see any reason to quote-unquote retire. Uh, I see it rather as what do I transition to next. So several years back, I hired a coach myself, and we were working through a number of different scenarios, exercises, questions, and there came a point about the third or fourth meeting I had with him I looked him in the eye, pointed my finger at him and said, I want to do what you do. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, I was intrigued with the fact 
that you didn't have to know a whole lot. You had to know to be able to ask good questions. And for me, it was a, it made sense. It was a natural transition from HR, but with a lot of the elements in HR removed from it that I didn't especially enjoy. Employee discipline, dealing with grievances, compensation, benefits, uh, those kinds of things. So shortly after I got through with my coach, completed my meetings with him, I went back to school, got educated. Okay, how do I need to establish a mindset to become a coach? And just grew to love it. And it's just exponentially grown as far as the enjoyment for me is concerned, because I get to meet so many interesting people from all different walks of life to hear their stories, to ask questions about uh, them. And I told my wife, I, I think I've probably grown more in the last four to five years since I had my business than I have at any point in my life. And it's just exhilarating. It's exciting for me to be able to conduct ministry yeah. with these folks that I encounter. Let, let's bring the two worlds together. We were talking before the break, Kirk, about what you do in your, in your sideline work with ESPN. You're, you're looking at, you're feeding information to the, to the play-by-play -play and the color guys. And so having done some sideline work myself for, for radio, it's important because what, what I would do for the, for the play-by-play -play guy, I could talk to him in his ear and it, let's say we had a seven yard completion over the middle he would know where the ball started. Let's say the ball started on, on the offense is 35, seven yard completion. I would say balls at the 42 second and three. And, yep. and he would be, you know, he could go uh seven yard completion out to the 42, you know, second and three. And that really helped kind of get him involved in what was going on in the broadcast. Were there things that you took from what you did at ESPN in, in being able to analyze be having to to be very detail oriented to watch everything that was happening knowing precisely where you had to be and give precise concise and clear information did that help you when you started your coaching business it did brian and as you were relating that it's having the ability to read a situation uh some might call that emotional intelligence but for a broadcast to go well, in my mind, and with most of the broadcasters and talent I've worked with, I think this is the case with them. You want to invite the viewer and the listener to join you as a couple of people that are watching a game in someone's living room. I get to jump having in a there. conversation. Yeah, yeah, go I got to jump in there because you you have hit the nail on the head. And 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 where I where, where we're doing this podcast, where we're recording this podcast, I sit a bottle of water to my right, and I want to sit a chair there, but my wife doesn't want me to do that. She wants me <laughs> to kind of keep this neat and order. But Kirk, I can imagine, and and that's why I kind of jump in and, and ask questions because I, I kind of feel like there is an imaginary listener sitting next to me that's tapping me on the shoulder and saying, ask this. He just said this, ask this. And you want them to be a part of the conversation. And, and 
I love what you said there about being a part of that conversation. But in your role, you are a part of the conversation and nobody sees you. Nobody even knows you're there. But what you add, everybody sees. And so if you're incorrect, everybody's going to see it. If you're, you know, and so let me ask you this. When you're coaching someone, how much of yourself do you want them to see in you? What I want them to see is enough so that it's motivational and inspirational to them, that it adds to what they already know. First of all, fundamentally, coaching, uh, we're out of the behavioral sciences field. Uh, you've got therapists, you've got clinicians, you've got psychologists who do wonderful work. And they deal with the addiction issues, the relationship issues that coaching doesn't get into so much. They're giving advice. Coaches are not giving advice. We're listening. We're asking questions. And much like you in this interview, I gave you a spark by talking about this living room experience and I could just see your brain. You're excited about that because we have got congruence as to yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. The same thing happens in a coaching relationship. And oftentimes that's what we label. That's an aha or breakthrough moment. If you could go back and give yourself some coaching right now, where you are now from when you started the seed sower. If you could go back in time and give yourself some coaching, what do you think that coaching would be to yourself? Don't be so much a friend to the people that you're working with, because I like people. I love to hear their stories. And it's a discipline I still have to go through in my mind. No, this is not you gathering information for your own edification. You're here to help somebody. Make sure that you're staying on track, you're staying on focus, and getting back to the agenda that your client wants to have, as opposed to what's going to fulfill your human interest needs. That would be the first thing at the top of the list. And it's something that, quite frankly, I have to discipline myself to uh, to, to yeah. this day, as I continue to learn and grow, I hope. Yeah, I love that. Let's step aside, take a, another break. When we come back, I want to tell Kirk's story. I want you to hear his story because there, there are some things in there that, that are going to be relatable to you. And, and you're going to have that, that, that wow moment where you go, man, that's, that's pretty incredible. Cause I had that moment when, when, when we were setting up this interview to, to do this conversation. Um, and forgive me for saying interview. I hate saying interview. This is a conversation and I want you to be a part of it. Kirk McCarley is my guest today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Come back with us here in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew. And he shared with me 10 connecting principles 
that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger, deeper, and more powerful connector, you've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, Kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of People Buy From People. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Kirk, let's get into your story. And, and I want to give you plenty of time and plenty of room to tell your story. Um, start as far back as you want to go and, and bring us back to where you are today and, and just tell your story. I'll try to keep it as concise as possible. But when I think of my story, it probably goes back to being about eight or nine years old and being fully uncoordinated not even knowing what a ball was practically. So bad, Brian, that uh, the teacher is kind of hopeless right now. I always had a gift in math. And we have these people that we encountered throughout our lifetimes, sacred intersections, I've, I've called it earlier, perhaps. And there may be a figure that's not there for a prolonged period it's a snippet it has a tremendous influence so this kid invited me to play peewee league basketball well i got involved i was awkward i was uncoordinated but i grew to like the game and what i also liked about it he had numbers they kept statistics well this is interesting and fascinating. So I got hookers existed, like our modern present day calculators. So I found that as I would look at the sports section, uh, I would do a lot of calculation and figuring in, in my head. Well, fast, fast forward a few years, uh, I had some stick to itiveness and stuck with playing basketball and got to be pretty good at it. And, but, but still my love was the numbers, the numerical aspect of it. And that analysis, uh, Moneyball, Bill James, if you will, before yeah. anybody knew about that. Went on to college and happened to have the fortune of rooming with a guy who was broadcast communications major, another guy, sports team. And we were those now, but this was in the late 70s, who would watch the NBC baseball game of the week and share commentary amongst ourselves. And mine was always the statistical component because I'd see a guy that came to the plate. He was batting 412. If it was 
early in the season. I calculated he was seven for 17. If he got a hit, he was going to 444. If he didn't, he was coming. I mastered at a younger age. And so people would pass us in the living room of that apartment and say, what are you guys doing? Get a life. Well, my friend went on into a broadcasting career. He asked me to help him. Uh, our other friend uh, met uh, some people with the Dallas Cowboys, and he has been the Dallas Cowboys play-by-play broadcaster statistician now for, I think, going on his 38th year this season. Wow. So that is how we launched into that. HR, I mentioned uh, previously, kind of greased the skid, so to speak, for me going into this coaching career and learning about that. For that. I was 70s at the time. Well, a 75-year-old guy throws the gauntlet down on that. I took him up on that challenge. Bob is still leading spinning classes. I'm going to see him next week. He's 92 years old. He's what I want to be when I grow up. Wow. Wow. And, and, and I apologize for the technical difficulties. I, if, if you would... Kirk, go back and and you you were talking about let, let me let me back up just a tad. You 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 fall in love with stats as a kid, as most of us did. I, I remember reading the paper, reading a box score, knowing how to read a box score when I was eight or nine years old. You know, my dad teaching me teaching me how to keep score when I go to a Reds game. Uh, Cincinnati's about three hours from here, so I grew up a Reds fan, and my dad teaching me how to keep score. And you get to college and and you and your roommate are just doing statistics and things like that. Did you really, was it, he goes on his way and he goes to work for the, for the Dallas Cowboys. Was there ever that thought in your mind of, man, I wish that were me. I wish that was, that, that was what I was going to do instead of, you know, your, your roommate taking that path. Brian, when I was in my 20s, no, enough to know any better. So I guess I never had that craving or desire to really end up doing. And when he did that, great. But I never had a thought. We kind of self-absorbed in our own world. And I'm on a career track, I guess, so to speak. Not so concerned about what he was doing. Probably should have been, but I wasn't. Well, and you know, it's funny because... Um, in, in my life, I started out to be a broadcast journalism major, then went to work in print journalism and, and decided about halfway through, I wanted to go into marketing. And, uh, it's funny how life weaves it back that way, because I've, I've done a lot of radio the last 20 years and do a podcast. So, I mean, it's, it's funny how life does that and weaves that back in, into your path. Kirk, let me ask you this, take me through an obstacle that you faced in your life and how you overcame it and the biggest lesson you learned from it. Because as we do the Intentional Encourager podcast, we find people that that are guests on this podcast who have overcome some difficult things. They've overcome some challenges, some obstacles in their life. 
Kirk, take me through an obstacle that, that you overcame and the biggest lesson you learned from it. I'm a spading instructor, and after having played sports, I continued to work out, play sports until I got uh, uh, rickety, and then I learned, uh, took up spinning and, and cycling. This was in uh, 2014, and I was working out at the gym, group exercise instructor. I'm in decent shape. I was doing lateral pull downs, and all of a sudden, the world went dark. And the next thing I knew, I had a face mask on, oxygen being fed to me, some paramedics and other uniformed people were overseeing me, and I had no idea what had happened or where I was for that matter. I knew my date of birth and my name, and that was about it. So I was loaded onto a stretcher. This was on a Friday afternoon, taken to a hospital run some preliminary tests. We don't know anything at this point. And I remember being perturbed because they were going to keep me in the hospital over the weekend. And I had a game to work the next day. I want to miss that game. All oh, that, uh, that irritated me, but nonetheless, uh, Monday further tests were run and cardiologist came in and said, you've got a triple blockage. Uh, we're going to do triple bypass. Uh, tomorrow. My wife and I were burning the candle at both ends. She was already down here doing some work in Florida. I was still in St. Louis. I called her on the phone, said I'm having open heart surgery tomorrow. And she was like, oh my gosh. But in my mind, that blast, were you scared? Whatever it is, I'm going to over this obstacle. Okay, there it is. Sorry, I'm getting messages here. On my <laughs> hey, that's all right. You know, it happens during a podcast recording. That technology. Yeah. Following day, my wife came back. She was with me. I had triple bypass uh, incapacitated for a few days, discharged from the hospital the following Saturday. So I missed another game then. Um, if you've had a procedure like that, uh, and one where it was literally a widow maker, you take an assessment of life and where you are. And I was grateful that I was at the gym because we're trained in CPR and AED and a couple of my fellow trainers came to my aid and probably saved my life. I was fortunate to be at the gym and not out riding my bike in the middle of nowhere where no one could have come to my aid. So I was grateful for that. But when I started getting a little bit depressed and down about things, I, I kind of looked at myself and did an internal reckoning and say, Kurt, let's get better than you were before. Let's return to working out. Let's be more cognizant of diet. And you've been given a second chance. What is it that you want to do with new life that you've got in front of you? So I got real serious about going forward. I was back working out five weeks after triple bypass. I was leading spinning classes again, seven weeks post-op. I was determined 
And so that episode ended up being a remarkable blessing for me because it got me serious about moving forward. Wow. Yeah. And you really were fortunate because as you said, you never know where the, in traveling, I, I've traveled for many years and, and you think, okay, if something happens, how am I going to get the care that I need? What am I going to be able to do? Things like that. And so, yeah, you know, it, and it's amazing how God, you, you say to yourself, okay, well, why did this happen? And you think to yourself, well, Lord, I could have been here. I could have been there. I could have been, but you placed those people there for a reason and gave them, and we all had the training to do what needed to be done. And so, yeah, I, I believe the hand of the Lord was upon you that day because of where you were and things like that. As you think about that and where your life has come to now and, and, and Kirk, you've been so gracious with your time. I want to ask you what encourages you, what keeps you encouraged, what gets you encouraged and share with, with this audience your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Past that I have taken, had to take, and, and, and I have no regrets uh, about any of those decisions that were made because I, my, I, I always had a bypass. I got rerouted. So that number one. Second, I have a supportive spouse. We met at a fraternity party in college. We've been married for 41 years. And she is just amazes me every day with what she is capable of doing. And I say without hesitation, I outkicked my coverage with her. Uh, the third thing is just this richness of friends and connections that have been provided to me. The stories I've heard, the things that I've encountered uh, are worth more than all the gold in the world. And as I travel with ESPN and come to many different places, uh, there are people that I can see many places I go and reconnect with. I'm going to uh, St. Louis and working a, a game in New York this weekend to reconnect with people again uh, because there's a person who has become a dear friend of me that has asked me to stand in the water with him this weekend as he gets baptized and recommits his life to Jesus. So you can't beat that. I'm so fortunate. Wow. Wow, that is so good. And, and, and again, Kirk, I, 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 we were kind of di battling through some diff technical difficulties there share with with the audience a, a piece of intentional encouragement or your biggest piece of intentional encouragement that keeps you going every day obstacles are placed in front of us and we all have them it could be relationships money jobs uh, even some of our spiritual life can uh, get a little bit challenging at times. But what keeps me going is looking at those obstacles and asking myself and asking God, okay, it is an obstacle, but what opportunity exists here? 
And how can I modify and then mold myself to be prepared to confront and deal with this now opportunity as you would want me to? Man, I love that. And I, and I was just taking some notes here. Looking at obstacles as ways to find opportunities. And, and very, very well said. Kirk, let folks know how they can connect with you if they want to know more about the seed sower coaching. Um, just I want to give you the opportunity to tell folks how they can, can get with you, connect with you, and find your content and resources. Well, first of all, Brian, I'm located in lovely Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. That's in the Florida Panhandle. Uh, the weather is fine today. We love to have visitors. So, uh, as far as me, I'm about a half a mile from the Gulf of Mexico. I work at home is my website. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook under that same nomenclature. Email address is Kirk at the seed sower coach. Uh, dot com and maintain my St. Louis area code at 314-677-8779. Well, we won't hold the St. Louis thing against you, me being a Reds fan. <laughs> I'm sure you're a Cardinals fan, but uh, we won't hold that against you. But uh, you go and, to the... And guess who, guess, guess who we're hosting tonight? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. As we St. record Louis. this podcast, yeah, they're... They're, they're hosting my Cincinnati Reds this weekend. So uh, uh, I, I like the Reds to sweep that series, by the way. Yeah, I think they're going to do it. But uh, no, they've I, as we record this, they're, they're a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster being a Reds fan. I grew up three hours from Cincinnati as a Reds and Bengals fan. So, you know, no the wonder there's gray in this beard. You know, the, the, your, your sports teams will test you. That's for sure. But good thing I went to Marshall. So that's, you know, that. The, the, the herd got off to a good start this weekend. So, Kirk, man, I, I have so appreciated our conversation and your time. Go to theseedsowercoach.com and connect with Kirk McCarley, M-C-C-A-R-L-E-Y, on LinkedIn and Facebook. Kirk, I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. This was a lot of fun, Brian. Thank you for having me. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.